0: Hey, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I am your host, Neil Rubenstein. And uh, tonight I'll be sitting in traffic talking with Mario Loveland of Candy Hearts. Hey Mario. Hi. Hi, Neil.
1: Hi, can you hear me?
0: Uh yeah. Are you uh are you far away from the phone or
1: I'm like right next to my it's on my face.
0: <laughs> oh, well then I shouldn't have uh, there should be no problems from there. Uh thanks for being able to do this on such short notice. Uh sorry also that it's such short notice as Yeah,
1: for. I mean why not? I wasn't doing anything anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I figured uh, if you're available, you're available. If not, uh, then, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so tell me about your band. What uh, It seems like you guys have been around for a little while, right? 2010 at least?
1: Yeah, we became a band in 2010. Um, I kind of started with my college buddies. Um, and we didn't release our first, like, actual record. I believe, until, geez, it's hard for me to remember, like, six years of stuff. But I think our first actual record was released, like, uh, like 2012, I want to say. But that could be totally wrong. <laughs> um, maybe it was sooner than that. Uh, but, yeah, we recorded our first record in my mom's basement. And um, from there, we started touring and, and got hooked up with Bridge Nine and made some records with them.
0: They usually do more hardcore stuff, now.
1: Yeah, I know. It was actually pretty crazy because I know the guys in my band are, like, massive hardcore fans. Um, I don't so much like loud music, but the guys in my band love, love, love hardcore. And um, Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory was starting an imprint with Bridge Nine. Um, uh, yes. And so he got us on board with that, and they liked our stuff. And we obviously liked the label a lot, and... You know, love their DIY ethics, so it was a really good match.
0: Cool, cool. And you guys are you guys are all from New Jersey, right?
1: No, actually, I'm the only one from New Jersey. Um, the other guys are from the Bronx and Staten Island. Yeah. Huh. No. Okay. No, he'll kill me if I say Staten Island. He lives in Brooklyn now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what, how did, okay. So you guys all went to school together, you guys.
1: Um, well, actually, no one currently in the band I went to school with, but when I first started, it was my buddy. Jesus,
0: Maryelle, Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, it was kind of confusing. That was so long ago, it's hard for me to remember. <laughs> All
0: right, so these guys in the band, you now, <laughs> are these guys the guys into hardcore?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, everyone okay. was always into hardcore. The guys who were. Okay. My college buddies and the guys who are in my band now, and you know, it really is hard for me to remember because it feels like I've known them for like a lifetime.
0: You met these guys from touring, or or how does this how did this happen?
1: Yeah, well, actually, Matt, accompanied us on a company that's on like, our Matt is our drummer. He accompanied us on our first ever tour, like outside of the East Coast, um, and we met everyone pretty much through mutual friends. Um, and Matt knew a bunch of people playing in the local scene that we knew, and that's how we found him. Um, and he came along with us, and I felt kind of weird, like I don't, none of us know this guy, but we're we're gonna take him on, I guess, because we have to have someone to play drums. And um, it turned out that he was literally the coolest person, and we've been having like the best time since. It was like an instant best friendship. And um, John knew. Our old guitar player um through work, because they both work at guitar center and
0: what's the uh, what's the current then that's the current lineup, which is the three of you
1: yep, yeah, and my friend Bobby, um who I met through playing local shows and stuff, he plays guitar with us when we when we go out
0: on the recordings you play guitar or
1: um I played some of the guitar, but Chad played most of it to be honest, oh. I have like a hearing problem, and it's hard for me to play to like flip track so I try and not waste time in the studio. <laughs> I'm much better when I can, like, feel the drums and stuff. Do
0: you, like, do you re- like, really have a hearing problem?
1: Well, it's an auditory processing disorder, right? So, like, I can hear. But, like, when something comes in, or, like, so, like, say, if I was trying to play to a click, I hear the click in my headphones, but the minute I start playing guitar, the guitar sounds way louder than the click, and then I can't hear it. Um. So and you've had party. this
0: your whole life. Yeah. You've How does uh, okay, so now that brings up a whole bunch of questions. One, uh, so what attracted you to music? At you know, like if if like given a, you're already at a disadvantage. You know. Like well, the, I
1: was not aware of this until my mother, who is a psychologist, was like, "Uh, yeah, you absolutely have that, and you've always you always have." Like, I just. Didn't know,, oh. I could never figure out why I was always yelling in like loud rooms. People are like, "Ariel, you're yelling, stop yelling, and I'm like, am I really like I can't hear myself so like yeah, i I don't know I don't have an I don't have an idea about that. I wear in your monitors, and then there are no problems.
0: <laughs> How did you guys meet Chad just from reporting?
1: um, no, actually, he found us online, um really. Yeah, we were on tour with, I forget who it was at the time. It might have been Man Overboard. We were on tour with Man Overboard or, no, actually it was someone else. We were on tour with someone else and I don't remember who they were, but we were, I was tweeting about like listening to their record in the van. Um, and they hit us up and said that they liked one of our songs. And of course, everyone in the van was freaking out, like Newtown Glory likes, one of our songs on, like, a record we recorded in literally my mom's basement that's amazing.
0: Just the one song.
1: Just – well, they just, like, mentioned.
0: Yeah, they just, like,
1: mentioned this song. But it was, like, only something that – like, we didn't have a music video or, like, singles or anything like that. Like, you would have had to listen to our whole record to find this song. And we were just, like, we couldn't believe it. Um, And so – you know, we followed them, obviously, they followed us, and Chad hit us up on Twitter and DM me and was like, "Um, hey, you know, if you, I'd really like to record you guys if you have any demos, but, like, I didn't have any demos or anything, like, this was not that well thought out, you know, we were just like a band who, like, put a tour together ourselves and didn't really let (laughs) anyone hear anything. And so I was like, I'll hit you up when I have demos, but I don't, like, we just came out with this new record, I don't have anything written. Um, And, of course, I was never, ever going to send him demos, because I didn't want to, like, bother him, you know? He was, like, in one of my favorite bands of all time. I didn't want to, like, be that person, being like, oh, I know you asked for these, but uh, here's my demos, check them out. You know, like, I thought he was just being nice or something. Um,
0: Right, right, right. Well, he was was being nice, but...
1: Well, yeah, he was being nice, but I thought he was just being unnecessarily nice and not, like, uh, like, you know, didn't really want to hear our demos or something. I don't know what I thought. <laughs> um,
0: right, right. <laughs>
1: but, you know, I'm pretty shy when it comes to that stuff. Uh, so we ended up going on tour with Man Overboard, and Chad hit me up again and was like, hey, I'm really offended that you didn't tell me you were going on tour with this band. I'm trying to help you guys. And these are my friends, and I didn't even know you were doing this. And I was like, "Oh, you were actually serious? Oh, okay, well, in that case, <laughs> here are my demos." <laughs> <laughs> Here's
0: some demos. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fun. Uh, and then, uh, was he was he already playing out records on the bridge nine? Imprint or was it this like This before.
1: This is before the Bridge Nine imprint or anything ever happened. And, you know, we i I was talking to him and we were trying to plan out what to do with my band. Like we had all of these songs, um and we didn't know what to put it out on or how to afford a budget to record them. Um so he was coming up with ideas and he's like, I could pitch it to this label, I could pitch it to this label and then one day he called me and was like, I'm thinking about starting an imprint label would you guys be interested in putting something out on that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, our main goal was just to work with him in whatever way that we could. So he said that. I was, like, done. Like, I'm totally in. Do
0: you guys have plans for another record soon, or what's – Yeah.
1: Yeah, actually – I just finished writing, I think, what's going to be a new EP, or maybe an LP. I'm not sure if I'm going to do an LP or if, if I'm going to split it up into two EPs. I don't really know yet. Um, but I'm probably – well, we already started in the studio, um, but our producers had to take some time and do some other things. Um so
0: Chad's, not, Chad's not recording this one?
1: No. Um, our contract is up with his imprint. So I'm working with somebody who's from New York, um, and I've been slowly working on it, but they're kind of donating their time to the project, so it's taking a little bit longer uh, than I wanted it to, but I should be getting in sometime this week to really get things going with the recording.
0: And what did you uh, what did you go to school for, and where did you go
1: to school? Oh, I went to SUNY Purchase. Um, I was in the, oh, the uh, creative writing program and the music program.
0: And uh, you graduated or
1: no? Yeah, I did. I graduated um, with a major in creative writing, and my minor was songwriting.
0: And do you do you have a day job, or is the band's full-time?
1: That's funny to say, because I was actually working for this wonderful publication. And since we haven't been touring so much since I've been writing uh, the new record, I was working for this excellent publication called Pixable, I was a writer. Uh, but they went bankrupt. And... Nice yeah so I have been doing nothing but music full time until then um with some writing jobs in between until I can find something else or finish this record and go on tour, <laughs> tour comes uh, first
0: do you have do you have any like long term goals like either for the band or for yourself
1: yeah I mean my long term goal well my short term goal is to get back on warp tour. As quickly as possible. That was like my favorite thing that I've ever done. It was like the most fun.
0: What my year did you go for that?
1: Uh, it was last year. Oh. Yeah, it was pretty much the best thing, and exactly what I imagined it would be like as a child. It was just amazing. Did,
0: um, did you share one of the buses, or did you did you van and trailer it?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I didn't have a lot of people guiding me in the whole warp tour thing. I feel like everybody uh, band has always been in some weird sort of shoddy DIY, just in between not being DIY and actually being very DIY. Um, so I didn't really know who else was playing Warped Tour. I had no idea. I had no idea that people rent. I didn't know that bandwagon existed or that people rent them and share them.
0: Yeah, I didn't know anything yeah. about that. So I was
1: like, I don't know how to do this. The only way I could feasibly figure out how to do this is if I get a van and I build bunks in the back. So I built I, – I drove up to Albany um, and went to my friend's dad. Because dad, my dad's wonderful, but he's not, a, not handy like that. <laughs> so I went to my friend's dad, and he helped me build these bunks in the back. Um, and I, like, got mattresses and made it look really nice, but it was still – just a van with the trailer.
0: Did you have someone with you that was – their function was driver? Or you guys were, like, driving all night, waking up super early, well, doing the lottery thing, like, just really rubbing I it? I,
1: flat out, was like, I can't do this if I have to be up all night because I can't be a front person all over the stage in the heat.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then
1: signing things and doing all the all of our press and have to drive overnight.
0: Yeah, so, that's real life.
1: <laughs> so we – yeah. So we were trying to find someone to drive for us, and our friend approached us and wanted to do it. And I was like, just so you know, this is the worst possible job anyone can ever have. I would literally never want to do it. So Uh if I did do it, I would honestly slay at it because I do all the late-night drives. I'm really good at it. But um, I was like, listen, only do this if you really think it's something you can do. It's really difficult. It's absolutely terrible. And they're like, no, I really want to do it. It's going to be awesome. And they quit on the fourth day.
0: There you go. <laughs> and so
1: the guys were splitting it up between them for a little bit until we found someone else who my friend Haley, who was amazing. She was a powerhouse, and we ended up renting her a bunk that she could sleep in during the day. Um, but she was amazing. But then the guys were, but she was only an interim driver because the guys had someone meeting us somewhere. Um, that was one of their friends that they really wanted to drive. So she moved on to a different position on the tour. She was started running March for someone else. And we took on this other guy who quit about a week into it. And, of course, we couldn't get her back after he quit because she had gotten another job on the tour. So, And she was telling me, she's like, I know this person is going to quit within a week. Just keep me around. And I was like, I believe you, but I'm the only one <laughs> who thinks that besides you, so it's not going to work that way, but she was fully totally right. So they split it up again, and then we found someone else to drive who ended up not being a really good driver at all, and we got into an accident.
0: <laughs> uh, um, this is my favorite story I've ever heard, ever.
1: <laughs> this is just how things are for us. Like, So we got into an accident, and I woke up. You know, I was all Ambiened out because I took Ambien because I was like, everyone's – I'm not wearing a seatbelt. I'm sleeping in a car. If I'm going to die at night, I just don't want to know. So <laughs> I took Ambien to sleep, and I woke up to everyone screaming, and I was like, why are you guys yelling? Shut up. And they're like, we've gone into an accident. And I'm like, what? And I look, and all of our windows, except for my window, are completely shattered, and there's glass everywhere. And I get out of the car, and whatever a logging truck hit us. One of those really big trucks hit us on the side, because I guess our driver swerved or they swerved or something. Our driver said it wasn't his fault. Um, I believe him, because he pretty much owned up to swerving other times. So I believe that it was a truck that swerved. But right where my head was was where the impact was, and our van is such a beast Whoa. that I didn't even feel it. Wow. Which should make my mom feel kind of good, because... He got hit by a truck, and it didn't—it it hardly even dented where I was sleeping. <laughs> but it could have been really bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, that we, could be
1: bad. And then we were like, "Crap, we have to fix all these windows. We don't have any windows." Um, and we found someone to come to the parking lot and work tour, and literally rebuild these windows.
0: So next time you'll do it differently, I'm assuming.
1: Well, next time I will do it in in a in a bus <laughs> or a bandwagon. And now I know, you know, you could just ask Warped Tour production to like find you people to fill bunk spaces.
0: Yeah. It's so yeah. easy.
1: It's so easy. And I went through all of that and that was so, so difficult. Um, but not as bad as people say it is. I've gotta say. Our summer's motto was it's not that bad. Not as bad as we thought it would be. So <laughs> that was my motto. Because everyone was telling us that we were going to hate each other and die. And we didn't die. And we all still really like each other. So
0: it was fine. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, that's uh that's a tough tour if you're not ready for it. It's a tough tour.
1: Yeah, it was oh. really good though. I mean like so what, aside from all of that, I still want to do it so badly again, so that just speaks to how good it was.
0: So what's the what are your long term what's the long term goal?
1: Uh, my long-term goal is to, I would say, have everyone on the planet listen to my band, and be <laughs> extremely popular, and tour the country, and the world, tour the world, constantly. Have a chat so is... that comes with me, as like my sidekick <laughs> friend.
0: So this, like, long. this is this is what you want to do. This, like, you want. You want to do Candy Hearts Pro?
1: Of course. There's no question. Yes,
0: that's, that's the answer, that. Part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say about that. Like, all my effort is put into being in a band and trying to get on tour and, and release records and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, if, you, if people, you know, people are digging it, obviously, and, and you know, you have people in your corner, that's that's huge, you know what I mean? Like, is Chad still on Team Candy Hearts, or with, once the label was done, if you he was... he's. Uh, you know, I mean, on he's she's
1: one of my really good friends. I haven't spoken to him in a bit, but, yeah, I would imagine he's still Team Candy Hearts. I mean, he's wonderful. He really did so much and went above and beyond in a way that I thought no one would ever help us. Like, there was no reason for him to just... Do that, like all of the stuff that he did for us, helped us with our music videos and like got us out there so much. It's just I never thought someone would be that kind and just for no reason, just because they liked what we were doing, help us that much.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a quality human for sure.
1: Yeah, Um, he's amazing.
0: I saw something from you on Twitter where you were just you were uh, bawling out about uh, some industry folks.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> are you having Are you having a rough time right now? Like, are you bummed? Like, was that a specific instance? I mean, you can be as big as you want to be, but if it's.
1: Uh... I mean, the the thing that I wrote about was a specific instance. Yes, I guess. Um, it's just a generally bad. Yeah, it's just been a bad time, and I'm just starting to kind of come out of it and be myself a bit again and. Learned to love being on tour again and stop being so afraid of other people and and things. And I think it's been really good. I'm really excited to go back out on the road this summer and play shows supporting our acoustic record. We haven't supported that properly because we were on world tour when I released um, the acoustic EP that we have. So we didn't play any of those songs. Um, And now I finally get this chance to do that, so I'm excited.
0: When did the acoustic record come
1: out? Oh, it came out in July last year. So it's been out for almost a year. Um but we just never got to really do anything with it. You know, I, I saw it as kind of like a bonus, um like what would be I guess a deluxe edition of a record but without reprinting another record. I was sort of right. giving them I was sort of giving them away with selling them for very cheap or giving them away with our records. Um but we just never gotta play those songs in front of people because we were on warp Tour. Um, And since we've been writing, we haven't really been in front of crowds that much, playing out too much.
0: The acoustic record is all new songs. It's not
1: other songs.
0: It's two new ones.
1: It's two new ones and um, three arranged acoustically. But I actually really, really like how they sound acoustic. I mean, obviously I should really, really like it if I put it out. But... I'm not sure which which version I'm more fond of, you know. I really like some things acoustic, because it reminds me of, you know, when I wrote it. When I wrote right. these things, that's how it sounded. Not in my head, because in my head when I write something, I hear everything the way that I want like it to sound on the record when I play it. But are, this is how my able, bandmates heard it.
0: Are you able to to play acoustic, like you personally, or does yeah. your auditory you thing, like, uh, mess with that? What do you mean? Like like if you if your brain's interpreting sounds incorrectly, like are you able to like sing and play guitar in an acoustic? Oh yeah, I just,
1: yeah, I I just have to turn the monitors up. It's easier acoustic so I could hear myself. When we play really when we play in um other venues, it's hard for me to hear my voice, but I've been learning uh, the second I got in your monitors. I mean that's a common problem, but it's specifically worse for me, um, so I just wear in-ear monitors and turn my vocals, like, up really, really loud in them, and it's fine. Do
0: you do acoustic shows just you, or it's always the band?
1: It depends. It just depends on what I'm feeling. For this one, I really wanted to bring the guys with me, but to save some money where all the vans on the package are traveling in one car or one van, oh. so... I couldn't bring them, but usually I have other people with me. I'm actually kind of nervous because i've I haven't ever i have never gone and played out on my own on a tour. I've always done it with the guys,
0: and this is the first time. yeah, are you guys doing like living room stuff or are you doing uh, venues?
1: um it's a mix. It's actually pretty cool because we decided to um my friend Chase who we're playing with Chase Huglin, he actually brought this idea to me um. And he had this idea to have a fan booked tour where like wherever the demand was to go and yep. to incentivize fans to book it for you um through through an agent, but to have them kind of reach out and be like, We want you here in this venue. So nothing was off limits of where we would go. So we're playing some coffee shops, some living rooms, um, and some venues that we've been to before and played full band in.
0: That's very cool. I like the I'm a big fan of the living room thing. I think that's uh... It reminds me, like, when we were younger, like, we would do a lot of basement shows and it just kind uh, of something about the, uh, something yeah. about playing in people's houses
1: is cool. Yeah, I, you know, it really reminds me of when I first started songwriting and me and my friends would just pass around a guitar and show each other like, this, like, these are the songs that we wrote this week, and we would all critique them and stuff, and I always had really, really fond memories of that, and I think that since we started touring a lot, I lost that um, because I was gone so much and I never had, like, I didn't have that experience. We were playing in big venues, full band. It was all really loud. And this, I feel like, is going to kind of bring it back and make it feel that way again, which will be really cool. And I'm thinking of also inviting, you know, someone from the audience to come up and play one of their songs and have it kind of be a collaborative thing because I do want it to feel like, you know, those memories that I have that are so special
0: to me. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like uh, didn't, I don't know, I feel like John Nolan did something similar where like he, he had a contest like for a fan to write a song and if he liked it, he would perform it with the, with the person who wrote it Maybe on a record, even. Oh, that's really cool. That's I, really feel, cool. Like, I feel like I remember something like that happening. I can't, uh, I'll have to ask him. I, I don't, uh, I don't I know.
1: I feel like I would enter that contest. Um, this is much more <laughs> yeah, organized than that. I'm going to literally be like, ask. I'm just literally going to ask, and just someone's hopefully going to raise their hand, and if not, then no one gets to play a song that
0: <laughs> like I'll just follow along for the changes.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you find it uh easier or harder to get noticed because you're uh, a female in this scene?
1: Um, I think it's different. You know, like I would say I feel like if we were just it is hard to be noticed As much if you're just a band of dudes, because they're, like, your image, I guess, looks the same as everyone else. Unless you have something about your image that is different, I don't know uh, what that would be. But if it's something different, if you look different, or maybe, I don't know, you're different in some way. You dress really cool or something. Um, But, you know, dudes are dudes. And definitely people notice you more, I guess, if you're a girl, but not necessarily in a way that you want. Like, people will be like, oh, look at this Paramore ripoff," or, you know, they'll see that you're there, and they'll notice that your band is there, but it won't be in a way that's acknowledging that you're serious musicians making music, you know? It's like, if you are a band of dudes, it might be harder to get noticed, but once you're noticed, people will listen to your music and give you a chance. I feel like it might be easier to be noticed as a girl, but if you're noticed, it'll just the, I mean, people will listen to your music, but you'll get a lot more people not really listening to your music at all and just kind of being like, oh, look at her, she looks like a slut, or what a Paramore rip-off, or, you know, it'll just be, oh, another girl band, or I hate chick singers, and I won't even give it a shot.
0: And, and you give that a lot, you think?
1: Yeah, like a ton.
0: That's crazy. It's crazy... To me, well, first of all, you know, because I'm a white male, so I don't, you know, (laughs) I I experience one thing, you know. But it's crazy to me that, like, this scene, the the scene that you're a part of, came out of one of the most accepting political scenes. You know, like, like punk and hardcore for a while was, like, a forward-thinking thing. And now I really feel like it's become the opposite. Like, it's almost jog-rock in time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much, like, because I definitely wasn't old enough to attend shows when it was. I was definitely not old enough to attend shows when, you know, like, Fugazi were playing and stuff like that. I don't, I'm not even sure I was alive when Fugazi started playing. I don't really know when that is, to be honest.
0: Uh, But it was in the 80s. Early early 90s was their
1: heyday. Oh, yeah. Well, in their heyday, I was a baby. So (laughs) I definitely can't really speak for that scene, but I really wonder, like, how much it actually was accepting versus how much it just looked that way from the outside. Because I think if there aren't, like, I don't think I would notice that the scene is as misogynistic as it actually is if I wasn't inside of it and it wasn't happening to me because before we even started playing in this kind of scene, first of all, I didn't know it existed. Yeah. And second of all, the bands that I did know that existed out of it, like Blink-182 or Youth Found Glory, I had no idea that that had anything to do with, like, there was any misogyny or any sexism or anything like that within it. Um, but I do feel like since like being someone who has attended punk shows when they were a teen and stuff like that, not necessarily in the scene, but in like the New Jersey punk basement scene, which is pretty accepting. I do feel like that, like it's really bro-y now. That's like really not like that articulate, but it's really bro-y. It's like the kids that I was afraid to talk to in high school because I thought they were really nasty. Um, who are in charge of everything?
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, like I'm not. I'm not a part of that world anymore. Uh, and the more, the more I hear about the struggles within that world, the more I'm like, oh, thank God! Like, really? Thank God. <laughs> like, I, I've noticed a little bit lately, and some of it's really cool, but there's a lot of like. Uh, Like modern baseball has that, like, has that, like, text if you're in, if you don't feel safe thing.
1: I adore them. And, you know, they were the only people who I personally am friends with who said anything to me about that thing that I wrote, who were, well, who are in the scene, who are in active bands in the scene, who said anything to me. About that thing that I wrote, and I thought that was really special, and I think that this initiative they have is really special.
0: The ultimate takeaway for me is that is this what that seems become? That yes, the men are so horrible to be around.
1: I mean, I want to say I don't want to say yes, but I'm gonna say. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe.
0: Like, it feels like you need a cleansing, almost. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it's, that's horrible. <laughs> like, so I, I have trouble getting my head around it. You I'll know tell what I mean? Like, if,
1: if I had a daughter who was a teenager, I would never let her go to these shows alone. I would never let her go if I wasn't there. There's not that's, a chance.
0: That's the exact opposite of what it was like. The previous generation.
1: Well, I know the that the
0: exact opposite.
1: At a show like Modern Baseballs, kids are safe, and you know, people who come to my shows, I look out for all of our fans, and I would never let something happen, especially if I was aware of it. And I specifically look out for younger members of the audience who are alone, maybe without adults, and um, are still children, <laughs> um. But there's, people are rough and people are mean, and I think a lot of it has to do, too, with, like, I just feel like the Internet has made people feel really entitled and, like, their opinions matter. And not saying that their opinions don't matter, but when I was raised, we were never taught to believe that our opinions matter, I guess, because we didn't have an outlet to just say whatever we wanted all the time. We had, like, a diary that no one read. (laughs) yeah. Like a live journal with like five followers. That's what we had.
0: I'm kind of a, like I'm appalled that that's a, that that that's just what that that's what this has become. You know what I mean? Like I I just don't uh, I'm, I have a hard time with it. Because like when when I was going to shows when I started going to shows, there was Riot Girl. There was uh, there was you know a lot of a lot of feminist stuff. There was like this thing called Chicks Up Front where it was just these yeah like badass girls that hung out at hardcore shows in the front. But like it was super cool because it was like it was the, it was a, a movement, you know what I mean? Like I mean
1: there are definitely tons of girls who can hack it in the pit with all the other guys and you know, there are definitely really strong emotionally and physically like really strong girls out there, but I just think Maybe I'm a big softie. I'm really sensitive. I'm not one of those super strong girls who would. I can handle myself in the pit, I guess, but no, now I just kind of annoyed that I that but, I have to even be near a pit.
0: No, that's her, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like there was there were these things that made that made the men understand that it it's not a place where that kind of behavior is accepted. You know what I mean? Yeah, mean I
1: think there's a huge lack of empathy, and I think that, you know, no one's helping it. I think that guys cover up what other guys do because they're friends with them. Either they cover it up or they just don't really believe that it's that bad. Like, I think of what happened to me. There's no way that anyone supporting this person who did that thinks that it actually happened as badly as it did. They think whatever he tells them because he's like the dude is like their bro. And I'm like some random girl who's probably crazy and a total bitch. Um, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I, think, uh,
1: I think that people have to start kind of supporting girls more and maybe it would be a little bit less of that vibe. Yeah. I, yeah. I
0: mean, that, that seems it's, it's like it seems like a no brainer to the point where I can't believe this discussion is still necessary in, in, in twenty sixteen you know what I mean like like- like and again and again it's it's my fault because, like i i I'm a white guy so i don't i don't like i can society well, figure in general yeah I mean... but I, I can only. I I can only believe and, and interpret what I see. Like I have no idea what it's like to be yeah. a woman at a show. But I don't. I'll, ne- I'll never understand. You know what I mean? I don't like know. I'll never. For the never... most
1: part, though, I do have to say. For the most part, I've always had a lot of fun at shows, and most of the time, like ninety-nine percent of the time, nothing bad has happened, and things have been really fun at shows. Um, But some of the time, bad things do happen at shows. Like when I was in London, we, we were playing a show in London, and I remember I was alone selling merch, and no one was around because um, they were all watching the band, and I was just kind of watching the whole row for everybody. Um, except for Newfound Glory's merch guy, who literally would have killed this person if. I let him know what was happening. But some junk dude came up to me and, like, started talking to me, and I couldn't hear him. So I leaned in, and I was like, what did you say? And he grabbed my face and tried to make out with me. And I was literally like, bro, you have to go if you don't want to be hit. And he was like, oh, well, I didn't do anything. And then he walked away. So it's just stuff like that. Like, that's gross.
0: I have no – there's nothing I can say. You know what I mean? It's like that's –
1: Yeah, and I've read things about, like, girls playing this never happened to me but girls playing and they're like grabbed on stage and people try and kiss them like people who are crowd surfing or something I don't know I saw that in like Spin or something like that a few years ago I think it happened to the girl in Tiger's jaw and it happened to someone else I can't remember who uh. oh and it happened and it also happened to Parker in uh, the story so far and I know that really bothered him as it should no one should be kissed on stage when they're I mean it can happen to boys too. People are just act entitled to people on stage because they've bought tickets and I don't think that I think people need to be a little more sensitive. Just yeah. you know, the people who are playing for you are literally probably ten years before they were you. And they were looking at someone else on stage.
0: Yeah. Sorry you uh dealt with that deal with that.
1: There's so much good stuff about touring that it hasn't completely deterred me from that, you
0: know? Yeah, oh, it's no, no. It's kind of yeah. one of those
1: things where you're just, like, always kind of pulling your hair out. Where you're just like, oh, come on, not again.
0: Tor uh, tour should be awesome.
1: Yeah, and it really is. I mean, like yeah, I said, no, even I mean, all that terrible stuff that happened on War Tour, it was still amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, like, you went through that stuff. Because I feel like that's a story that, like all my friends' bands have, and I, I think it's important for bands to go through that. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I really
1: important, is. too. <laughs> I think it's important to appreciate, you know, what you have and to know, too, like, what you can actually take. Like, I didn't know. I was. Just, we were all surprised. You were all like, I can't believe this isn't, like, we don't feel terrible. Like, on some days, you know, you're a person. Some days you feel terrible. Some days you don't. But we were, like, the whole time just like, wow, this is really – everyone who told us this is the worst possible thing and they would never do it, it's really not that bad. Maybe everyone's kind of just a baby
0: who's <laughs> used to being a oh, Yeah. Also, if you go in with, like, super low expectations, that always helps. <laughs> yeah. Like, like,
1: know, like everyone's a to reinforce like, – our basis was like, what, wow, my expectations must have been so low because even this was really, really great. It's not as bad as we thought it would be.
0: Oh well, <laughs> yeah, we had to replace a glass. Yeah,
1: we had to replace a driver four times,
0: <laughs> and one of
1: one of the guys who was driving went to go take a nap, and almost missed our set. He disappeared. We couldn't reach him because he fell asleep from driving all night.
0: Ah, uh, uh, it sucks. He made that's
1: it fine. though. We had to cut one song, but he made it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't even know what to do." <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, you know, that's 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 the good stuff. That's the stuff that happens. That's
1: yeah.
0: Those are the tour stories, you know. Every band I feel has. Like there's that.
1: always like, something that happens to everybody on Warp Tour, especially.
0: I mean, on tour in general, but yeah, Warped yeah, tour on is, tour uh, in general for it's sure.
1: But Warped Tour seems like since it's so long,
0: oh, it's I just feel
1: like every band who's been on Warp Tour has had something where they're like, you're not going to guess what happened.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Mario, I made it to the city. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you again for doing this on short notice and, no uh, you know, for your interest in doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll let you guys know when this is posted.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much.
0: All right. Thanks again. Take care.
1: Have a good night. Bye. You're a jerk, Neil.